I'm Matt Dixon, and welcome to the Purple Patch Podcast. The mission of Purple Patch is to empower and educate every human being to reach their athletic potential. Through the lens of athletic potential, you reach your human potential. The purpose of this podcast is to help time-starved people everywhere integrate sport into life. And yes, once again, Purple Patch Podcast time with your host as ever, Matt Dixon. And this week, we've got a special from the Purple Patch Camp based in South Carolina. And this episode is for all ages. Before you turn it off, it is for all ages. But we are discussing the topic of performance in mature athletes with two very, very special guests who are, yes, mature athletes. But What comes out of this discussion are absolutely magical lessons for us all to take on life, grow, improve, and ultimately refuse to be satisfied with stagnation. Oh, and I must warn you, there is a lot of laughing in this episode. Now, you might hear some background noise, and that's just the camp craziness, all part of the fun in this, well, one of the most fun episodes that I've had the privilege, and it is a privilege, to have recorded thus far. Be prepared to learn be entertained, and to laugh. I bring you Rick Wimmer and Ken Paluji. But first, jingle time. We like the way he thinks, serious with a wink. Let's open the book, it's time to take a peek. It's the Dictionary Word of the Week. This week, the word of the week for the first time is from a guest. It's courtesy of Rick Wimmer, our guest today, and it is growth. The word of the week is growth. And this is drawn directly from our discussion in this podcast. I ask, as you were here, much about Rick and Ken, what drives them, what helps their performance, what initiates their success. And in part of the podcast, we get stuck on a word growth. So when you listen, I invite you to lean into that part, let it marinate, let it soak in, maintaining a desire to learn, to pursue, to grow. You might call it, thanks to Carol, a growth mindset. Not pass or fail, not satisfied with equilibrium, but a quest for growth. It is a sure driver behind every single high performer I've met. Professional triathletes, CEOs, tech founders, the world chess champion Magnus Carlsen, world-class chefs, great musicians, the best teachers, the best car mechanics, yes, the best performers in any field. Those with resilience, with staying power, with durability. And what many would deem success coming to them. But no, it isn't success coming to them. It's nearly always a drive to grow, to learn and to improve. It is the heartbeat of your performance and is why the word of the week this week is growth. Now, let's get on with the meat and potatoes. All right, guys, it is the meat and potatoes. And this week, we're doing a special. We're from camp in South Carolina, Hotel Domestique. And we are talking today about performance as ever. But we're going to dispel some myths around aging. We're going to talk about the maturing athlete. And I'm very lucky that we have a couple of guests with us that are campers that have self-diagnosed themselves as being (laughs) maturing athletes. The first is Rick Wimmer. Welcome, Rick. Thank you. 
And the second is Ken. Now, Ken, you've got a silly name. So come on, help me. Palugi. Palu- oh, that's simple, huh? Yes. Okay, I've always been butchering it. Pen- Ken Palugi. So, Ken, welcome, guys. So, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give the, the listeners at home, as we have, we might hear Mr. Paul Buick shouting in the background and telling <laughs> other campers off, but uh, but we'll be talking. We're going to talk about, very quickly, we're going to give you guys bios, and then we're going to dive right into it, because I think we've got a lot to talk about with uh, with performance. So, so Rick, you're 64 years of age, and... Uh, you have a very humble working background. You're a managing partner at Ernst & Young for, for just 35 years, uh, retired, went on to work at a private equity-owned company, which then went on to be sold, and now, still thriving, you are a CFO, or the CFO at Pike Electric, which just uh, recently converted from a publicly traded company back into a family-owned business, happily, ma- happily married with three children. And Ken, Ken Palugi, here is you. You are the senior of, uh, of all of us in here, 71 years of age. And as you rightly point out, if you took away my osteoarthritis, I would feel like I'm in my 30s. Uh, so we'll go all the way back with you. Graduated law school in 1972, and you point out your first, first major mistake. We all make big mistakes in life. You, say, you claim that your first big mistake was set up in 1978 when you got married. Although the, the, the positive out of that, I would say, is that you did gain two wonderful children. Correct. And um, uh, you began your career as a public defender in 1980, 1980, governed or appointed by the then governor, Brendan Byrne, and the uh, first full-time prosecu- prosecutor for Cumberland County in New Jersey, which I hear there is absolutely no organized crime in, in uh, New Jersey, so I'm sure it was a quite a placid, <laughs> docile existence. When your term was over, you went to private practice until 2003 and then rejoined the prosecutor office in, uh, in, in retiring in 2010. So you have nothing going on in your life now, huh? Um, and uh, we should point out that you married... Renee, and uh, you said that you claimed that you chased her for several years, and finally she gave in. Huh? She gave up. <laughs> she gave up. She gave in, and now she's uh, she's there. We'll talk more about um, uh, Renee, I'm sure, later on. So uh, we want to go in and uh, and talk uh, a little bit about um, uh, both of you guys, and I, I want to frame it a little bit first. Uh, so we're going to take over for a little bit and. Uh, Rick, you come into Purple Patch, I think, around 18 months ago. Is that that's, right? that's correct. It was about yes. 18 months ago. And your goal was the really famous uh, six, six-day six trail running race all around Mont Blanc. Uh, yes. For the geographically challenged, Mont Blanc <laughs> is the highest mountain in Europe. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, I, I came to Purple Patch, and, and I remember you and I talked about that, and, and I called you up, and we were talking, one, about diet, and I was – completely messed up on on this 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 high fat low carb diet and you got me straight on that and you said what do you want to do i said yeah i want to do some you know 70.3s but i really want to do this race and you said let me get back to you so you so he so so you said you sent me an email and said you got to talk to paul buick okay great i'll talk to paul so i call paul he's in new zealand and he skypes me and we're talking about it he says i know all about that i got it he said (laughs) So the next thing he says is, do you have a snorkel? And I'm going, what? <laughs> he said, do you have a snorkel? No, I don't have a snorkel. What's that got to do with running? <laughs> he says, well, you're going to go buy a snorkel, and we're going to swim a lot. And I'm going, what? <laughs> what am I? And he says, and we're going to bike a lot. I said, what? 
<laughs> and long story short, you know, we we trained, we went through it, and I swam a lot, I biked a lot, I didn't run that much, and completed the race. And, and we, we will get there. Now, Ken, for you as your little introductory bio, beyond being, uh, I would say, and I wrote this down, by the way, an immense disappointment. <laughs> you joined uh, really with a quest, a simple quest, uh, to qualify for the Hawaii Ironman. Correct. And uh, that was the mission. And I think that both of us now, this is your this is your third camp, but you that your first camp with Purple Patch was exactly a year ago. And when you came in, uh, I would say, and, and I think you would say as well, you had a long way to go to get there. Well, 12 months later, you're here, you're mm-hmm. at camp, and you're in the final preparation for the Hawaii Ironman. And, uh, and so you've gone on a... On a, on a very interesting journey with us and really now is a journey of celebration to go and, and compete and have a wonderful time on the big island over there. Um, I think both of your stories and why I really wanted to talk to you is that you have a great stories of a commitment to growth and, uh, and evolution and of course what comes out in your voices straight away is vibrancy. And so we're going to talk about the maturing athlete today and hopefully beyond telling some funny stories and, um, and probably... You guys are going to probably have to deal, your listeners are going to probably have to deal with more laughter than, uh, <laughs> than perhaps <laughs> any other podcast episode. <laughs> but hopefully we're going to get something out of this uh, that can really sort of help inspire and, and educate people around a shift of mindset that I think is necessary for, for all athletes to really find performance. So with that, we're going to dive in. I'll lead the way, but uh, we're going to see where we go. And my, my prediction is that the questions are written. I bet we probably asked about 25% of them, and I, I asked different <laughs> ones I haven't planned. So we'll, we'll see where we go. So let's start, and we can play off each other. But look, the, the first question, you guys are both fit, very fit, in fact. And, um, and I'd love to understand how important for you guys sport and fitness has been in your life, uh, in your work life, as well as life in general, and where, where does it fit in for both of you guys? And maybe Rick, you can start with it. You know, I was very, very lucky early in my career, and at Ernst and Young, it is a high performance culture, sure. and I was absolutely getting burned out. And I had a mentor that said, "Rick, if you don't find something outside, if you don't learn how to do this, manage your stress, manage what you're doing, you're going to be completely burned out." And he says, the success to life is managing energy. So I did not grow up as an athlete. I did not grow up running or anything. So I just started running. And, hey, you know, being being a type A, hey, there's this thing called a marathon. Let's go do those. Sure. <laughs> you know, and I was lucky enough that I started running marathons, you know, in my 30s. Wow. So that, that, was, the, that was the time to get it. It was really the influence of... Of a mentor. Of, yeah. a, of a mentor that, that, and I started feeling better. And I knew that, you know, when, when work got tough or life got tough, hey, I've done a marathon. You know, I can do this. And the same, and it progressed later on. I know we'll probably talk about it. But when you, once you do an Ironman, you say, okay, mm-hmm. you know, if you're negotiating with somebody else to buy a company or sell a company, okay. Come on, let's go. I, I hope they've got some good stamina. I, I hope you're ready to go because I'll, I'll, you know, we'll be here all night. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I've, I've done the marathon at the back end <laughs> yeah. of the bike, so it's a uh, super Ken, Ken for you. Uh, I'm actually the exact opposite of uh, Rich. Um, 
I was an athlete my entire life, played baseball, basketball, football, in uh, high school, college, and uh, joined the running craze in the late 70s, the Jim Fix uh, running craze. Oh, yeah. And uh, like Rick, uh, I did numerous marathons, uh, fairly successful, mm-hmm. uh, almost qualified for Boston. Uh, in my 30s, I had to run a 250. I was on a 250, actually a two-hour pace at the 20-mile mark, but got hamstring. Two-hour pace? Yeah. A world record for the marathon? I, I mean, a three-hour. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, a three-hour pace and uh, cramped up. In the last uh, six miles and ended up running a 307 which was still my fastest marathon time sure. but um and then how i got into endurance sports was actually on a dare from a friend uh a running buddy uh asked me one day if i would like to do the cape may triathlon the first cape may triathlon and i had to ask him what's a triathlon and after he explained it to me i said well i don't know how to swim and he said, well, what, are you afraid I'm going to kick your butt? Well, that was game on. Yeah. <laughs> is, there, is there a streak of competitiveness in both of you guys? <laughs> Just a wee bit. <laughs> Make a long story short, I beat him. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you probably know the guy that won the race, Ken Glau. Oh, yeah, Ken Glau, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah he yeah. won it. Legend. I came in 16th, won the 30 to 40 age group. And... Uh, I stuck with it for a few years, uh, and then family and professional responsibilities took over, so I got away from the sport for 25 years, and then gradually got back into it, um, but really wasn't progressing uh, until I got coaching. Interesting, and we'll talk about coaching in, mm-hmm. uh, in a little bit. What, what I'd like to dive into, and, uh, and maybe Ken, you just carry on with this a little bit, is... Look, you're both mature in 64, 71 years of age now, and um, and you do have endurance backgrounds. So what have been the biggest challenges for you in performance as you have began to age? What are the things that you've noticed that are tougher or your shifts in mindset that have been important? With me, um, it's, it's more um, physical in terms of um, I have osteoarthritis. Um, and both shoulders, and it's pretty bad now in my right hip. Um, so that's a challenge for me. Um, and that's where your functional strength um, comes comes into play. Mm-hmm. And I think, but for that, I think I'd probably be sitting on the couch with a bag of potato chips and a beer and watching TV. Yeah. And next, next stop, dialysis machine. Yeah. 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 Exactly. So, uh, how about you, Rick? Have you, have you, you know, I think the, the I think there's there's two things. Yeah, you know, the the recovery takes a while, and as we've talked about, you know, sleep is just forcing yourself to sleep and and have some downtime. Which, if my wife hears this, she's going to say, "Ah, you don't have downtime." But you know, the other thing that I battle, and I don't know if, if Ken, if you do this, you know, I look back, like you said, a three or seven. Okay, I know my time when I ran Boston. And I look at it, and I go out and I run today. Now, my running's not where it was back then. My my biking and swimming's better. Mm-hmm. But you you know you keep thinking, you know you're kind of living in the past sometimes. And mentally, mentally, I want to do more than I can. And mm-hmm. it and it's and it's a mental thing for me sometimes. You know to say, okay, 
just be happy to go out and run. Yeah. Just enjoy it. But it, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a great follow-up question for, for you. Let's, let's actually talk about that Mont Blanc challenge. And, um, uh, and I, I hope I give it credit when it says six days. Effectively, you're running almost a marathon a day. Yes. To give you context, uh, six days continuously. Uh, what was the thing? What was the first thing? What was the allure to that? Because we're going to talk about out of the box preparation to get ready for that. And you mentioned the snorkel already, and I'm going to dive into <laughs> that. But what was the what was the allure of that event? You know, I yeah, I had done seven Ironman races. I had done this, and and I had done a little bit of trail running and i saw this and i watched you know it, we essentially did the same trail that uh one of the most famous endurance races is utmb where these guys do it all at one time you know they'll do it in 20 hours you know 122 miles about twenty-five thousand feet of climbing mm-hmm. and i just said you know i just want to do it mm-hmm. i just want to go out and do something and really i think for personal growth one needs to force themselves out of their comfort zone. hundred percent. And and learn something different. It's both mental, you know, and, and also physical. Get out of your comfort zone and and just get out there and do something. Yeah. And when you before you uh you came on board with Purple Patch, what were your expectations of what it would take? You said, Okay, I'm gonna get this coach, I'll call this I need an English coach. <laughs> Are there any out there? <laughs> no, you called yeah. me. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I want to know what your, your, expe- your, your perception of what it was going to take to be successful. You, you know, probably thought a whole lot of running. Yeah, yeah I, thought, I thought I'd be doing you know, marathon training plus. You yeah. know, I thought I would be back to you know, 60, 80 miles a week. And I exactly. was wondering, yeah. how in the hell is my body going to hold that? I mean, you know, when we did marathon, I mean, I'm sure you did the same thing, Ken. You know, you're, you're, you're running these miles. And I'm going, how am I going to hold up? And then I'm told to buy a snorkel. your week of how much running were you doing in a week with paul getting ready for six you know, marathons on a trail in a row going around mont blanc at, at i had two treadmill workouts a week that were that we named one was a glacier run you know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know where, where you're increasing the climb and one was just and both of these were off the bike by the way yeah. um and um and one was just a run and then i did a lot of bounding stuff you know just building jumping jumping drills really yeah. poly- polymetrics and then i'd have one trail run a week and we started off an hour and just built up from there and i never ran more than 4 hours in any one time in preparation for this. And, and you had, by the way, skip into the end and then we'll come back, but you had a marvelous, successful experience. I, I, it was unbelievable. And it was no injuries on the journey at all. No, 64, you went no. and ran six marathons in a row no. in six days. Yeah. And now that's not all the training you did. Yeah. So let, <laughs> let's talk about, so the swimming and, and, um, I'll lead us there a little bit, but the swimming was to, Develop the necessary cardiovascular conditioning. That was that was obviously the thing, and do it in a really safe manner. Yeah. And then I think that that you can talk to the biking because the biking was the thing that was sort of evolutionary for you. It, it was absolutely, yeah. you know, because when I I had done you know all of my other training for all the Ironmans, you know, long, slow, you know, you're, you're doing this low heart rate, long, slow, and then you know we're calling this you know, end of range where I'm doing you know. 
incredible time at 45 RPMs and heavy loads and 55 and 65 and just doing strength training. I didn't really realize it at the time, but it was strength training for my legs and building them up ready to go run this. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was running in disguise. And, and the cross pollination that <laughs> transferred into running was, was yeah. staggering. Isn't yeah. It? And then, and then I would jump off and do these, you know, these treadmill runs, um, that, that Paul developed for me. That was brutal at, at the time, but it was, they worked fabulously, you know, and I kept feeling better and better and better. And it was just, it, I said, yep, I, after about a month, I knew it was going to work. Yeah. No, it was, uh, and there is, there's that leap of faith to start and maybe the, the perception of craziness of like, hey, what, what's this guy doing? And then <laughs> you start to get that. That validation that comes with, hang on, I yeah. still feel really good and right. uh, and being surprising. Right. Ken, you're a, you know, look, you're 12 months ago. It's lovely to have you here, by the way, as a 12 month anniversary. And you you came in and, you know, the, the, and I want to point out to listeners, I mean, literally, we did a very similar run yesterday that we did 12 months ago. And I, I don't think I've seen, I can't name a greater evolution in running form from someone. I mean, you look like a drunken sailor that was holding a barrel 12 mm -hmm. months ago, yes. you know, just both feet went off the ground. You couldn't, and you, you look like a man with osteoarthritis. And yesterday, I look like a 71 year old man. You look like who, a 71 year old yeah. man that said, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do it in a stupid way. <laughs> <laughs> and then, but yesterday it was, it was real flight. And you're now, a Hawaii Ironman qualifier. Mm -hmm. So firstly, congratulations. Thank congratulations you. From everyone from Purple Patch. But um, I want to go back to last year. T tell me about your, your experience at camp last year, because I think it was a transcending moment for you. Oh, my God. As uh, a perception for your own, your own athletics. I learned so much Yeah. Um, in terms of technique, style, how to do things, how to manage terrain, uh, I, I left camp and my mind was just swirling with information um, th that I spent the next several weeks just thinking about mm -hmm. over and over. And one thing I did do was I tried to go home and practice everything that I was uh, uh, told to yeah. and uh, that, that with regard to swimming, running, and biking. Uh, and... I saw the improvements mm -hmm. you know, from from previous, um, but I, I sort of like uh, Rick. I kept arguing with uh, Matt Hurley that I need more running. I need more running, and he said, "No, be patient. Be patient. It'll come along. It'll come along." And it did take some time, but I'm running now better than I've I've run in years. Yeah, faster. Uh, with better form, and it's all all because of uh, the the coaching that that I received. That, and that was, uh, I mean, I think that's a, both of you guys. It's it's a tough thing to do, isn't it? To think, okay, I've got a, I'm doing this running event in Rick's case, and or I'm I'm trying to qualify to Hawaii, and you're being told to do less running. Yes, because of a situation. Of course, it's um, I think it's a really tough thing for you. What did you think your chances when you came to camp last year? What did you think your chances were qualifying to Hawaii? Were you pretty confident it was going to happen, or I thought it was attainable, but. Um I just really wasn't sure. Mm -hmm. I'd been trying to get to Hawaii for a long time, uh, even back in uh, my early 30s when uh, it was a lottery. I don't know if you're, 
Yep, yep, yep. If yep, you remember yep. that, um, I did apply uh, in the lottery for two years, and then I just gave up. And when I sort of got away from the sport, um, the thing about my chances, uh, because in my age group, they're usually between 10 and 15, maybe 20 uh, gentlemen in the 70 to 74 yeah. age group. Uh, so it's not, it's not a real large age group uh, from a competition standpoint. Um, but I took your advice and I looked for an Ironman that I thought gave me the best chance um, to qualify based on my abilities. And that was Ironman Maryland mm -hmm. because it was a relatively flat course, you know, being from New Jersey, yep. you know, I, I train on flat courses. Uh, and you're absolutely right. Uh, that, that was, trumps. that was the perfect, uh, Ironman for me. That's great. I, I'm interested in something else and something I hadn't planned to ask you, but it popped up because you, you both sort of mentioned the, from a young age, sports being instrumental in helping you as a release from work. I'm, I'm wondering as you've gone on your journeys and, you know, you've, you've both accomplished multiple Ironman races. You're now qualifying to Hawaii. You did this crazy thing in Mont Blanc. In your sport, how much have you drawn from your professional experience on the other side? So from your practices at work, do you find yourself drawing on that or is it just simply a release and, and has it more gone the other way that your lessons in sport have helped you in business? I think it goes both ways. Um, as a trial attorney, you have to prepare. If you're not prepared, you're not going to be successful. Sure. And the same thing goes for competition, uh, endurance sports. You don't train, you're not going to be successful. And you have to have a good attitude, a positive attitude. Uh, you can't doubt your coaches. Um, uh, you can't doubt your workouts. Uh, you have to do them and do them the way they're prescribed. And I guess in both scenarios, it's probably not going to go as planned either. Not always, no. Yeah. But, but you have to but you be prepared prepare. for that. Exactly. Sure. Mm -hmm. yeah. I, I agree 100% with you, Kent. The, 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 the thing that I've taken away is, you have to have a long-term plan. You have to think 12 months out, 18 months, 24 months out when you're, when you're building your businesses, when you're looking at what you want to do, what you want to accomplish. How do you want to build your teams and the organizational structures that you want? All of that has come out. A lot of that, my thinking, has come out of sports, has come out of triathlon, has come out of learning and reading and thinking about the, the, the endurance sports and, and creating a durable company. I mean, you know, that's what I, I love keep. That phrase. Yeah, I, I keep durable. calling people, you know, a, 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 and, and Eric Pike and I talk a lot. Building a durable company is no different than building a durable individual. Yep. It's the same principles. Yep. You know, same principles in life that applies to business. It's amazing. Let's talk about coaching one minute. Uh, you're both part of Purple Patch, but I'd, I'd love to know, Rick, you're, you're led by Paul, as we know. I cannot imagine your conversations. <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever talk about triathlon? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. <laughs> and uh, Ken, you're led by Kevin Collington, but um, tell us the impact of that. And, 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 and I, don't, I don't ask this to give us a glowing testimonial of, of mm -hmm. Purple Patch. You know, I, I genuinely... Um, I think both of you guys understand leadership really well and, uh, and, and coaching globally. So I'd love to sort of hear what, 
from your own experience, the value of coaching for you in this process? You know, I've, I've, over the years, I've used a number of different coaches mm-hmm. and a number of different styles and techniques. And everybody has, you know, somewhat of a rhythm and they follow that. But what I found is that the science behind Purple Patch, the science, the, 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 the methodologies, if you would, that, that you guys bring and behind it to say, hey, think about this and this and the, having the pillars of, you know, of strength and nutrition and rest and doing all of these, uh, you know, the, the, the foundational pieces of it just make all the sense in the world. And, and we'll, maybe we'll talk about it a little bit. I am better now than I was 10 years ago when I did Hawaii. I got in through the lottery. I didn't qualify. But, you know, for that training, for those, for that Ironman, it was long, slow. I did everything like 118, you know, heart rate, you know, and, mm-hmm. and it was just, and, and I almost died on the race, mm. you know, I, but I'm got much really stronger now. going slow, yeah. I got really good at going <laughs> slow. Well, you told me, you told me after today's ride, uh, I mean, you can maybe tell the listeners that, that today's ride, I mean, this, this week at camp, you've done a couple of climbs. We know? did two, we've done two climbs. We did a climb today. And we did a climb two days ago that I guarantee I know that I could not have done ten years ago. I mean, so think about that for a minute. You know, oh, ten I years agree. older. I mean, you and I talked about it. I mm-hmm. am ten years older. I can swim better. I can bike faster, and I know that I can run. So, so it's it's ten years later. I mean, it's and it's and it's the program. It, it is the total package. It, it, it's. It's a corrosive mentality, I think, to, and when I get this all the time, I'm 50, my mission must be just to not get slower now. And it's, uh, I think that's a really self-defeating, look, if you're Craig Alexander that was world champion and now is getting to 50, okay, he's not going to go eight hours in an Ironman (laughs) anymore, but the vast majority of people just fall into self-defeatism i think and uh and so i can't get and he's like no you have to just evolve and grow and change the way that you're going about would you agree with that Can oh absolutely uh i also had several coaches before i came uh with purple patch and different philosophies uh and that's why i question purple patch yeah uh, but you know i i've seen the just fantastic results and you say I I maybe am not running quite as fast as I did in my 30s, but I'm not that far away. That's mm-hmm. what's really surprising. I'm really not not that far away. You're a lot more moody, though. And, and, but, <laughs> but in my mind, I, I think I, I, I could possibly get pretty close. Yeah. Well, that's, that's a great uh, lead on. So, so my next question is around mind, actually. And, um, and I mentioned just now that I have many talking about the mindset. I want to get into the mindset of the maturing athlete. I want us to evolve a little bit. And uh, the old concept, you know, you shouldn't slow down, just as I said. What are your thoughts on that? I think I know the answer. <laughs> it's a subtle I, question. I mean, you know, it's the old saying, you snooze, you lose. Um, yeah. When you get older, you've got to it's, – it's more of a mind game, I think. If you <laughs> say, I can do it, you can do it. Mm-hmm. If you say, well, I don't think I can do it. I'm 70 years old. That's 140.6 miles. You're never going to do it. You, you defeat yourself before you, you ever start. So I think having a positive attitude 
Um, and, and the other thing is you can't stop. You yep. can't really stop because once you stop, I think you're never going to get started again. Quickly, yeah. yeah, it's, it's hard to get started. It's not like yeah. when you're 30 years old, you could take six months off and inside of another month of training, you're back to almost where you were before. Now, if I took a month or two off, it would be so hard to get back. Yeah, it's uh, it, the magic word of consistency. And it's, yes. Uh, the, the cliff dropping off if you just ceased everything would be pretty steep. Yeah. yeah. So, the uh, dues become exponential. <laughs> as you get older yeah <laughs> yes you know yeah there's that and, and i'm sure you agree with the mindset yeah, i do i do you know and i thought a lot about this particularly last year you know in thinking about where i want to go and all this and you know and i read this someplace that that you know one of the definitions of happiness as you think about it is continuing to progress yeah you know continuing to progress as a person you know, to be a happy person, you know, to have a happy marriage, it continues to progress, you know, all of these things. And you're thinking about, and I'm continuing to progress, you know, and that's, that makes me happy. And I think it makes a better person. And that's, that's what life's all about. Mm-hmm. You know? Everyone wants to improve and grow. And, and I think, yeah. in fact, I, um, for me, I, you know, I'm very lucky. I get to work with uh, a lot of high performers, both in business and life. And the one thing that is absolutely consistent, particularly with the CEOs and people like that I work with, that is the really common theme is what, what you would call a growth mindset, continually wanting to learn and evolve. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that is understated when you think about it's not, it, it, success is not about toughness. That's a sort of a prerequisite, yeah. But it's the common theme, the most common theme is, this growth, this, this, this idealism of I want to understand why and I always want to improve. And it can be anything, you know, it's nothing to do with sports that. And I think, and, just, and you think that, and the byproduct of that is happiness and obviously performance as well. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, that, that's exactly right. Well, mm-hmm. well, let's get practical. You know, you talk, we talked about mindset. We say, okay, we want to grow. Now you guys get to be educators for the next couple of minutes uh, for other maturing athletes. So, you know, what are your ideas? We're going to, we'll go back and forth on this, but what are some of the key performance elements for you guys to really evolve? And in my mind, you know, eating, sleeping, strength training, as you mentioned, what, mm-hmm. what are some of the key elements that you think have been critical for you? Uh, actually, I think it's, it's mixing it up. Mixing Do, it up. Yeah. Great yeah. Doing several different things that's what got me into really liking endurance sports it's the swimming the biking the running um, the lifting the functional strength exercises uh, whereas back when i was just running it was going from one injury to the next injury because that's all i was doing i was probably doing it wrong mm-hmm. uh, and really not growing um, but by doing a multitude of sports it's kept me healthy, and and I'm getting better. That's great. Yeah, Rick. I, I can't add anything to that. I agree. It is about mixing it up and having lots of different ingredients in life. You know, and that's where it really got me to triathlon. Mm-hmm. You know, some days when you're tired and you don't want to run, guess what? You can go to the pool, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, and come out feeling awesome, you know. Uh, or you could go get on your bike. I mean, yeah. it doesn't matter. Or, or functional training. Or 
you know, just get a backpack and go backpacking or yeah. paddleboarding. What it doesn't matter. Just be out there, be active. I think that, and 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 continue to think like that. Mm-hmm. One of the you know. things that we've spoken more and more and more, like, and especially Paul and I have really lent more and more over the last couple of the years of trying to encourage people to do things really differently and not just get into the rut of self-identifying as I am just a triathlete and therefore mm-hmm. never allowing themselves to go and mountain bike, go and hike and go and do anything else or particularly athletes that come to us and say, I'm just a marathon runner. And, and it, particularly when they start to move into the 40s and 50s and beyond, trying to get them to integrate other stuff and mm-hmm. um, and move heavy things as well. And uh, I mean, you're great at mixing it up, Rick, because you swim, you bike, you run, you do wine. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you, we do, do wine. And we... you do that very well, and you're growing. <laughs> you're not regressing on that either. <laughs> I do lots of wine, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, so let's play a game. We're going to take a step back and... Um, uh, and you're gonna, you're gonna, we're gonna have to play a little bit of an imagination here. So I want you to imagine that you're going back, and you're speaking to your your 40 year old self. In other words, what I want to do is for you guys to talk to 40 year olds now, and um, you know, I, and and the con- I'll give you the context behind this question mm-hmm. is that I think in as people move into 30s and 40s, there can be a real distribution to uh, almost an overemphasis or obsession with work. And often at the compromise of self, and and ultimately sometimes the compromise of relationships, and uh, you know it's the guilty, time. guilty. Yeah, so many people. So <laughs> me too. <laughs> so both of you have that. So what would your advice be to your forty-year-old self or to forty-year-olds now on that? If they want to thrive, they want to continue to grow. You, your chance to be the mentor, Rick. You know, um, you know, being a type A. You know, and, and being pretty intense back, just back off some, you know, and, and, you know, later in the last couple of years, I really started studying stoicism and just think about what you can control and what you can't control mm-hmm. and what you can't control. Don't lay in the bed all night thinking about what in the hell you can't control. Mm-hmm. Just control what you can and focus on that. And, and, you know, again, you know, obstacles are the way of life mm-hmm. and just, Face them and deal with them and go on. Yeah. I mean. So the question is, what would I advise a 40-year-old? Yeah. Wow. Or imagine Uh, you with hair. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I guess if I had to do it all over again or if I had to advise someone, uh, I would uh, definitely advise them to uh, have distractions. Don't dive into work and with, to, with the exception, you know, of, of, uh, or the exclusion of your family and your friends, you've, you've got to do other things. Um, if you don't, bad things are going to happen to you. Mm-hmm. And they do. And they do. And they do. We have, a, uh, we have a saying at Purple Patch with athletes that always want to do more, more, and more, and they never recover. And they, they, there's many athletes, particularly driven athletes, have a mindset that it won't happen to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things I often say is you, you can be tough, but you cannot beat physiology. And right. I think that, I, and that's a very narrow athletic sense, but I think that's really mm-hmm. much, very much the same in what you guys are, are echoing there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, so we are at... at training camp and we just finished the queen day as we call it the, the big tough ride and uh 
I, I'd like to dive into your experience at camp with, without being gushing about what a what a great experience has been too much, but really your expectations going in versus the reality. And, and you came last year, so I'm going to ask Rick this question. Okay. Just Rick this question because we dive into it. But. You know, I I was um, I was very apprehensive. I was nervous. Um, I knew that I was going to be completely out of my comfort zone, which is you have to for personal growth. I got it. Mm-hmm. You know, otherwise I wouldn't have put myself into it, you know, and, um, and, and, you know, I knew that it would be an incredible group of people, but, but the common bond that everybody has that not knowing anybody here that we've all met, you know, the community, the relationships that we've built, uh, the, the the struggles that every same, everybody's got the same struggle. Mm-hmm. Everybody's going up the same mountain. Yep. You know, and everybody's got the same struggles. Some overcome that struggle a lot faster than others. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but um, the 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 other piece that I have taken away it's not just physical. It is the mental side of learning how to really swim how to really bike and do train management, how to really run properly and look at it, how to manage yourself. And, you know, the mental side and continue to learn and grow as as an athlete has just been incredible. Just been incredible. That's super. I mean, you mentioned the group and the... I think the group is a big part of it. Oh, know, let's remove oh, the coaches. It's unbelievable. The group is, uh, I, 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 this is my third camp, and I love every group. Yeah. I love competing against them. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though you say leave your ego at home, yeah. it's still pretty tough when somebody passes you on the bike to just say, okay. <laughs> there's a tone of competition there. Yes. Because, because uh, the one thing I was going to say is there's there's very little ego at the camp. It's not intimidating, yeah? It's, uh, exactly. Like, it's supportive, I would say. From the outside, very the supportive. Looking, I'm like, look at you guys interacting. It's like... There's no one puffing their feathers saying I was first up the hill. No one cares about that. No, no, no. But um, yeah, it's it's great, and there's been a lot of laughter as well. Yeah, uh, it's a <laughs> it's a great group. <laughs> you know, it's it's one of the things I said to you. I'm not sure if you remember but on day one. I said um, this is not going to be this is not going to be the same group as last year, which was a wonderful group. Mm-hmm. You have to recreate or create another group and. Here we are, four days in, and and it's happened. Yes, it has. That's the the lesson that always happened. So here's my last question before we go on to the uh, the desert island desert (laughs) island section, which is a new a new thing for this podcast. You guys are going to be the first willing victims or unwilling, but I told you you're going to do it, so you don't have a choice. But last question, and uh, both of you guys have accomplished so much as you look forward. And this, I don't mind if this is in sport or life. What do you want to accomplish? Is there anything else to accomplish? Or is it time to cut the grass? Oh, no, no, no. I, I just don't ever want to stop. I don't ever see myself stopping. Um, even if my hip is so bad that I have to get a hip replacement, somehow I'm going to get back on the bike. I'm going to get back in the pool. Maybe I can't run as well or maybe not be able to run at all. Um, so maybe I'll, I'll just do duathlons from now on. But I'm not going to stop, yep. ever. You know, my list of what I want to accomplish is it continues to grow. And I, I do have a, a number of friends and people that, you know, once, you know, I'm almost at that magical 65. Mm-hmm. And society, you know, 
think expects people to retire, expects people not to be doing the stuff. And people look at me and say, you're crazy. Well, mm-hmm. no, I'm not. No, Ken, you're not crazy either. You know, this is, this is life. This is, this is how we get the most of it. And my, my expect, my, what I want to accomplish continues to grow every day. I can't even list all these. I mean, I, you know, I just told, I want to take my whole family to the Grand Canyon and do rim to rim next year. You know, <laughs> yeah. I want to do things like that. I still want to, you know, I still want to race, you know, half Ironmans and Ironmans. I, I want to do those things. Mm-hmm. But those are, quite frankly, triathlon for me is just a tool to do everything else in life. Yeah. You know, that's a wonderful way to look at it. That that is just it's just a tool. You know, yeah. it's funny it's funny to mention that because people used to ask me, Well, why do you run? You know, back in the in the eighties, why do you run so much? It's well, I want to stay in shape because I want to run with my kids. When my kids get older, I want to go out on runs with them. Well, now I want to run with my grandkids. There you go. <laughs> is it? Yeah. yeah that, that's right. It's wonderful. Well the um Guys, thank you. Here, here comes the. Uh, we're entering a new void now. Okay, this is. I've never gone here with uh, with this podcast. So we, this could be a disaster. This could be the last. <laughs> one. This could be the last one, the one and only. And uh, it might be. Uh, we might be uh, get responses that are deafening silence, and uh, and we shall see. But uh, but I promise you this right now, we are not cutting this. So, <laughs> so whatever you say, it's going in here. It's a new feature. Desert Island with Purple Patch, you guys are going to be exiled. You're going to get pushed off to a desert island. And what I'm looking to get out of this is to understand your focus to treasure around relationships and music and, and reading. Uh, can I, I actually wrote in my notes, um, you, you do know how to read, don't you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you do good. Okay, so we're going to talk about reading. I just want to warn you. Um, so you're off. Okay, mm-hmm. you're off, and here we go. So, uh, we'll, we'll go one question each. There's only there's only four questions, and um, Ken, I'm going to start with you. What piece of music or album would you bring with you in exile to the island? You can only bring one album. Who would it be, and what's the reason behind that? Actually, I wouldn't bring an album at all. I would bring one song, and that would be the Star Spangled Banner. Oh. I get so inspired. Every time I hear that, especially watching the Olympics or at the start of any Ironman race, it just gets my blood flowing, and I just feel so good about everything. So, yes, that's what I would bring. Music, that's, a great, that's a great question. Great answer. You know, if I'm going to be on the island for a long time, I would have to take um, the hits of Hans Zimmer, you know, mm-hmm. and, and all of the movie scores that he's done. And I can think yeah. about all of the great things that he's done from inception to ever, all, all across the board. You know, now I would like to take Dave Matthews as well, but, <laughs> <laughs> but if but I only have one, I'm South probably, African. We won't let that on okay. the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I would love, I think it'd have to be probably Hans Zimmer. Great. Okay. All right. So we'll move on and we'll throw, we'll throw the, we'll, we'll, Throw him under the bus, so okay. we'll have uh, Rick go, go next on this one, because now it comes to reading. Um, what book would you bring? I you know, book. that is really a tough question. You know, the part of me says, yeah, I should take, you know, I would, would take the Bible um, to, to read and study and, and continue to grow that way. Um, but also, maybe The, the Road Less Traveled right. yeah. uh, by M. Scott Peck, you know, mm-hmm. is probably, mm-hmm. if I'm going to be there, it'd be one of those, I mean, 
clearly the Bible would probably should be the the first one, but M. Scott Peck has just got so much meat into that and continue to to um, to think. Mm-hmm. And um, Ken, I also thought about the Bible, but. Uh, I yeah, don't know everyone's, that I, would... I, I might ban the Bible from being yeah, a nonster, yeah. actually. So, yeah. yeah, it's absolutely banned. Yeah. yeah. And okay. so are the Purple Patch books, by the way. <laughs> as much as you're a kiss-ass Ken. Yeah, we you, missed that, you, Ken. We missed that got, one. You could have got free beers You think he night. was looking for a plug? We, we missed that one. <laughs> <laughs> as part of your sponsorship, this podcast was required, right? <laughs> actually, I just read, finished uh, reading a very good book, which I think I would like to read again, and that uh, is Endure. By Alex Hutchinson. Yeah, he's a good, he's a good guy, Alex. And yes, that's, and that's um, and the book is very inspiring and um, good reading, very good that's reading. I, I would, I would have a very uninspiring answer. I'm not going to label this as my answer, but one of the things that I have, you talk about escapes in the sport. My, as a coach, your mind is always full, and one of the things that I have a hard time to, is shutting the world off. I go to I start thinking about not just the pros, any athletes, and have I done this? And so my escape is Scandinavian crime thrillers, by the way. <laughs> it's, uh, it's the only you can read it. It's very, it's very accessible. Oh, that's and, awesome. And, but my wife, Kelly, was like, can you just broaden your horizon a little bit? <laughs> so I, I, I read other books, but before bed, it puts me to sleep straight away. It's better than TV <laughs> for me. So, okay, um, so we've got the music, we've got our book. If you could bring one other thing, what would it be? Ken, you're the uh, My wife, Renee, so she could read to me. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely I would bring my wife. Yeah, you, you guys have a fantastic relationship. She's come yes. to all the camps. And we do. She's a great addition to the camps. And, Thank uh, you. So, so it's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, no question on my side, I'd bring my wife as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that would be without question. Super. That's great. And you are getting exiled. You have one last chance. What line of advice would you give the world as you're heading off to exile? You know, it's, it's almost overused, but it's, it, it means a lot to me, and that's, you know, carpe diem. Seize the day. Seize the day. You know, don't waste, you know, you don't waste the day. Seize the day. Just do it. Awesome. My advice would be don't screw it up. <laughs> don't screw it. That's exactly <laughs> right. You only get one chance. Yep. yep. Well, guys, and, and, and I mean this, uh, these are easy words to say, overused, but thank you. Genuinely, th- thank you for being a part of Purple Patch. Thank you for being willing to get right off a bike and, and sit with me for an hour. And, well, and do I, you know, I look at it as thank you for wanting to coach an old fart like me you are an old fart <laughs> you can say that <laughs> no i'm serious yeah. i mean uh, you know who wants to coach a 70 some year old guy you know yeah, but that's great i i say the same thing who wants to coach me you know to to, to do the things that i want to do yeah i want to do triathlons but i got other things i want to do mm-hmm. who wants to take that on yeah. you know yeah. uh, there's not that many people that want to do that it, or it, has the ability, the knowledge, to the do knowledge, it. and Absolutely. the ability to do it is mm-hmm. what it means. Yeah. On, on a serious note, as we as we extend one a little bit, but I, I often get asked, well, why don't you just want to coach pros? And uh, and one of the questions that I often ask is, why would you want to coach me? And uh, or I'm not good enough for you. And that there's a common thread of I think that makes up a purple patch athlete, and it is completely irrelevant. Uh, 
relative to the level, etc. It's that you want to improve. And uh, very much the same as you. And those are the people that, that I and we love to coach. And uh, I am not your personal coach. Kevin Collington, who's done a great job. Paul Buick, who's done a great job and doing a great job. Both of those guys. Um, but the thing that we all love that, that I think ties the Purple Patch community together is the desire to improve, the, the, the desire to grow, the desire to learn more. And, and we get to learn. And in all honesty, we get to learn from you guys as well. So it mm. makes it much more of a uh, an exhilarating ride for us so guys thank you thank you really you're appreciate welcome it. and uh, from there take it easy okay all right so last week's episode we promised to take on athlete questions and we got quite a few questions but i'm going to start with a question from karim in Switzerland, he says, Hello, Matt, I'm 17 years old and my strongest discipline is cycling. The thing is that most of the triathletes my age do draft legal racing in Switzerland, which would shut me down as a good cyclist. If I had a bad swim, I can't catch up on the bike, etc., etc. Do I gradually have to build up to Olympic middle distance and long distance racing? Or can I step up next season when I'm 18 to Ironman 70.3? I'm only one season into triathlon, and so far I just have a, a TT or time trial background. Thanks so much. Cheers in advance, Kareem. Well, Kareem, it's a great question, and uh, taking a step back, I think the question is there's no reason for you not to step up to the 70.3 distance. I would actually hesitate on saying, hey, move up straight to Ironman right now. You're a year into the sport. And the real question is, how do you approach that distance? The one thing that you cannot ever get back is the chance to really generate and really improve and really refine something that's hard to get when you're older, speed. And so when you're young and you're youthful and you can get away with more intensity globally in training, I'd really encourage you to love riding your bike, gradually improve your running and build up durability in running, have a great platform in swimming, but make sure that the predominant features in each week of your training is about developing speed. So don't just go long and slow. Don't fall for building the base. That will come over time. Instead, I would really focus on thinking of yourself as a sprint distance athlete, an Olympic distance athlete, but nothing wrong with you stretching out, stepping above, and ultimately racing in one, two, maybe even three half Ironmans over the next couple of years. But your mindset and your training approach is still keeping a short course mentality. I think that is a really good way to go. Now, let's outro and do lessons of the week from today's discussion. So I hope that helps. For everyone else listening, remember, you can put your questions in the week of the weekend. I'll answer as many as you can. It's very simple. We're going to do it at the moment, at least, until we get a forum up is, I think, the way we're going to go about it. But questions at purplepatchfitness.com. Simply email me, questions at purplepatchfitness.com. We'll filter out. We'll answer all that we can on each episode each week. And the ones that we can't, we'll store and we'll get back or we'll try and give you a little response and maybe even post something on the website. So one way, hook or crook, we'll answer as many questions as we possibly can. Now, I want to do an outro. I want to do lessons of the week relative to Sir Rick 
and Sir Kent. I want to talk about the maturing athlete. What are my key points coming out of today's discussion? Well, the first that was very strong, mindset. You notice that both of these guys had a growth mindset. It was the word of the week. It was a drive, not being satisfied, not willing to settle for less, but instead still driving, still living life. As Rick said, there's so much I want to accomplish. As Ken said, I'm never stopping this. I'm still the mind and the body of a 30-year-old. It's so important to your performance. And the death of you, the slow death of you, is when you start to say, I can't. It's so much more. I'm slowing down. Keep being willing to reinvent. Keep being willing to drive after goals. It will keep you sane and it will keep your performance driving forward. The second that came out was a little bit around training. Physiology and training catches up with potential but it always gets consistently harder to make further gains. And this magnifies with experience and age, but gains can still be made. And so much of it is about how you execute, how you run, how you manage terrain, how you interact with any bike course. It's about skills and being cunning with the deployment of your resources. You might not get much more physiologically strong, but you can be smart with integrating walk breaks, with looking after yourself, with making sure you're getting maximal return for your physiological efforts. And so training really has to evolve. You have to be cunning. You have to use other sports to help risky running sometimes. And it might be rowing. It might be aqua jogging. It might be, as you heard, swimming and riding. The third, recovery. As you advance, you must shift your mindset on your training approach. And this is particularly prevalent if you've been doing endurance sports for a long time. What worked for you when you were 30, even 40, will probably no longer work for you as you move into 50 and 60. You have to embrace and lean into recovery even more. You have to space out how frequently you're hitting very hard or very high intensity sessions. Number four lesson, strength training. It bubbles up in importance and that includes mobility. Instead of it being an essential supplement, it becomes a main feature in your program. If you were a triathlete, you now are swim, bike, run and strength. If you're a runner and then, well, quite frankly, I think you should still be doing multi-sport as mentioned before, but strength is a main feature. Mobility is a big part of it. Joint mobility, making sure that your hips aren't like rusty gates and you keep them moving you keep lubricating those joints is very very important and finally i didn't really come up in the discussion as much but i would say eating is a critical component a platform of health making sure that you don't offset great training program with terrible eating and i would even add terrible sleeping but why wait you don't need to be in your 60s before working out on all of these because they're all central to performance. Why allow your performance gains to be solely focused, even if you're 20, on grit and natural physiological talents and gifts? Why not support those talents and those abilities for a lifetime? And with that, those are the lessons of the week. I'm looking forward to chatting to you next week. Until then, take care.